Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode nine of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Murrin, the host of this podcast. Before I introduce this week's combat sports athlete, I have to thank everyone for their support on episode eight of Forged in Ohio. It was easily the biggest episode I've dropped so far, so thank you to Jason Jaguar Jones, his team at WKA, and all of you for supporting the podcast. Without further ado, though, the reason you're listening to episode nine of Forge in Ohio is because of yet another special mixed martial arts fighter coming on the show. He is an undefeated amateur lightweight fighter at 6-0. He is the Ohio Combat League lightweight champion, and he has some of the coolest branding I've ever seen. He is Kobe Yellow Mamba Woodall, thanks for spending time before the holidays and coming on the show, and welcome to Forge in Ohio, Kobe. Hey man, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on, and I mentioned the branding in the intro, Kobe, and that was just one reason why I wanted to get you on the show. Obviously, your nickname is Yellow Mamba. I'm assuming there's a correlation between that and the late, great Kobe Bryant. Ultimately, though, how'd you land on Yellow Mamba? So, funny enough, it's it started as a uh, kind of a a small joke back back in high school. I'm named after Kobe Bryant. Like my dad's a big Lakers fan. I'm a big Lakers fan. Um, he named me after Kobe Bryant when he was like 19 and it's kind of worked out. And uh, I just so happened to be uh, half Asian. <laughs> like my mom's from Laos. So I was like, well, I can't be the black Mamba so I can be the yellow Mamba. And I was like, all right. And then from then on, um, it was just always my Instagram handle. And then after my first or second fight, my teammates started calling me that. And I was like, all right, I guess this is, what, this is what it is. I guess it's hard not to be a Lakers fan when you're named after Kobe Bryant, right? Yeah, and then growing up, you know, it was uh, the 09 and the 10 seasons when he was just the man, you know. So his last great Lakers season with him and Powell, it was like, what's not to love about that? Well, you do a great job of branding yourself with your nickname and the Mamba logo. I've noticed in your fights you have the words Yellow Mamba across your waist, your logo on your pants, and you even have a tattoo of a snake down your spine. How exciting is it for you to find something like Yellow Mamba that's cool and it, it works and you can do so many things with it? It's it's cool. I mean, it's the you know the Mamba aspect of it. You know, the whole the, the Kill Bill connections to film and. Um, the big thing for it for me is, you know, the whole Mamba mentality aspect of it. It's not just a design choice that's crafty, but it's also, you know, the aspect behind training and how you go in with a mindset. A lot of people I feel like are ready to die. You know, they're like, oh, I'm ready to die for this, but in reality, you should be ready to kill for it. And I feel like that's the uh, mentality the whole Mamba aspect brings to the competitive aspect of the sport. Have you kind of grown up always like idealizing Kobe Bryant and living by, you know, that Mamba mentality? Yeah. Um, so like I said, my dad was a big Lakers fan. He's always really big in the sports. And then uh, the way I was kind of raised, I was always playing sports. Dad was always really involved. So he kind of helped me mind this mindset of it. But then growing up, um, the Lakers were always on. So I was always watching Kobe Bryant play basketball and then you know, near the end of his career with his uh, Muse documentary and, you know, his injuries and everything, just seeing him transform into the legend that he became, you know, kind of, I think that kind of molded my mindset towards sports and life in general. 
Right. Not only are you known for the hell of a nickname and brand, but also your fighting style as a 6-0 amateur lightweight champion in the state of Ohio. Fighting out of Columbus, what was growing up in the state like, and how did you get into combat sports? Um, so growing up, I uh, I kind of split my time growing up, actually. Like my first 10 years, of uh, just, I was born in Idaho, but then I moved over to Columbus when I was like one year old, you know, real young. And I spent a lot of time there in Columbus and kind of in the canal, uh, Pickerington area. Then I moved down south to almost Huntington, West Virginia, in the southern Ohio area. And um, I graduated from Huntington High in West Virginia. And then I uh, played a couple years of college football in West Virginia and uh, Philippi D2 school, Amadeus and Broadus. And then uh, my family moved during that time in college. So when I finished up my uh, short tenure in college, I played football. I moved back to Columbus. And then uh, for a couple years, I just lifted weights. And it wasn't as fun for me anymore because I played football for about 16 years. So there was kind of like a gap there for me. And once I decided to start training with mixed martial arts, I was like, oh, this is it. You know, this is the contact I wanted. This, this feels how football felt for me when I was a, a younger kid before it became more of a business, so to say, when I got to high school and college levels. And it just gave me something else to chase, something else to train for. So after football, you got into weight training and weightlifting. How did you get from that and actually first get exposed to mixed martial arts and getting into your first gym? In reality, I guess I was just bored because after, because I grew up playing all the sports, basketball, track, and uh, football, never wrestled or anything really growing up other than being obsessed with pro wrestling, I guess, for most of my life. But okay, uh, I never really wrestled or anything like that. And then just uh, growing up in the time, like I'm 25, so I got to see the rise of Conor McGregor and everything. That was probably like my nearest exposure to it. I got to Brock Lesnar, John Jones, stuff like that. But I never really got too into it until I started training. And then it was just the whole aspect, the history of it, you know, seeing the growth of the sport, seeing the growth of the true MMA athlete, you know, the difference between, you know, 2008 UFC to today, just how it's a completely different world. So you were more exposed to the sport just by, you know, being a fan of it and seeing the sport evolve and grow based off the guys like Conor McGregor in the past. Oh, yeah, I was a casual to start off with, but then once I started training, that's when I became a true hardcore. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned you're a pro wrestling fan. So am I, so I'm totally good with going on on this tangent. What about pro wrestling uh, do you like, and are you still a fan to this day? Oh, dude, yeah, I'm still keeping up with it, man. Um, You know, all my teammates make fun of me, but I love it. Just the showmanship aspect of it, you know, um, the storytelling element. It's a close thing, I mean... I know it's not necessarily uh, the truest form of things, but I mean, dudes are still getting beat up. You know, you can't fake everything. Just because it's predetermined doesn't mean it's truly fake. Absolutely. Are you more into WWE, AEW nowadays? I know there's kind of like a a brand war, but there are fans of both. What do you think? Oh, I'm a fan of both. Okay. AEW is cool because, you know, I'm I'm five foot eight. (laughs) So (laughs) the land of the giants, you know, isn't, it's still the entertainment factor of it, but you're seeing guys my size get at it. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, for me, I, I usually tune into WWE pay-per-views, but I am a huge AEW fan. Every Dynamite, every Rampage, I'm tuned in, I'm watching. Is professional wrestling something you would ever consider going into? Oh, shoot. You know, after uh, this, this this MMA career is over, if that door's open, then certainly, you know, that's that'd be cool, but we'll see how it goes. 
Well, back to MMA. Uh, you're the first fighter that I've interviewed from Ronin Training Center. I'm planning on having more athletes from the gym on Forge in Ohio down the line. But what's training at Ronin like? Oh, training at Ronin is great, man. Um, you know, once once I got into it day one, I was with uh, you know Travis Davis, you know local Columbus legend. You know, so it's just like training with him, and then Vitor being the jujitsu uh, black belt professor, and then. Uh, coach Aaron Boggs at Ty, you know, everybody's real open and welcome and they're always trying to help. You know, it's, it's like, it's kind of like a big family after you put the time in and you're just there. Um, Josh Williams, our head coach for MMA, he's a, he's a mastermind. Dude's always, always researching, learning. And when you're training, it really matters who's around you. With that coaching staff and my teammates, you know, uh, Mark Antonelli, Max Metzger, um, just to name a few, because there's other other lightweights, so I spend most of my time training with them. But then you got Regal Reese, who he hasn't had too many fights, but he's he's good to train with as well. Asher Frederick, Mustafa, he's he's on the same card I am coming up. He's an animal too. Um, just a lot of killers and guys that are actually in the gym all the time. It's I say it's like a family. Yeah, you mentioned Mad Max Metzger, definitely a guy I plan on having on the program here shortly. Do you ever go out and get different looks? And I feel like the the MMA scene in Ohio and all these gyms is fantastic. So do you ever, you know, stray away from Ronin sometimes and get those other looks other other places? Um, here and there I do. Um, I'm probably actually more one of the in-house guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of go out every once in a while. Um, you know, Max and Mark, they go out more often than I do to other gyms. I know they were at Immortal today actually getting some looks. I don't know. Um, I think it's a comfortability thing. But, um, right. When I do go out, I feel like we, our, our strategies and stuff work really well with against other gyms. I feel like the way Josh has trained us and has the way we look at the sport is a little bit, uh, I don't want to say nuance, but we, we kind of look at it more of a, an analytical way. We follow all the uh, analysts, uh, you know, your Jack Slacks type guys like that, that, bring the information to a level where it's not just a quick draw battle. You know, you got to break everything down, figure it out. We make it more of a, not just an X's and O's. It's a, it's kind of a mix of an X's and O's and a mental game. Right. And that style I'm assuming that kind of appeals more to you and your, your style. Yeah. I like, I like, uh, I'm hunting for the finish the entire time. And that doesn't mean I'm throwing all day. If some guy's going there and just swing and try to kill a guy right away, I'm looking for that finish. I don't like leaving it up for the judges if I don't have to. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. We've seen how judging has impacted fights, especially here of late uh, in the MMA yes. scene. Even when I requested this interview, I'm, I know I knew you were a fan because of how you responded. You said you made the joke about getting paid with Patty Pimblett and all that. What do you make of that yeah. entire entire thing in MMA right now? Um, with the, with the interview aspect, I think it's just kind of goofy, but I mean, I mean, he's defending his, I mean, he's defending his pocketbook, yeah. you know, with the news that uh, it was, uh, the things that he had to do was UFC and Howler had related. I was like, okay, he's just, you know, siding with the boss, you know, but then I'm, I'm a big fan of the sport, not just because of the athlete, but also the, like I said, the, the broadcast journalism and everything. Like I had to listen to Chael all the time, Ariel, mm-hmm. um, Maybe not as much because his podcast is long, man. I like get clips from that. Oh yeah, but I try to be involved in everything. Like I said, it's it's um, the sports one thing, um, the mentality and the mindset is another, and then the entertainment factor is a big part of it as well. 
I actually look up to Ariel Helwani in many different ways in terms of MMA media and sports like that. So I totally agree with you when it comes to that whole Patty the Batty Pimblet story. Uh, back to like Ronin Training Center, though. I know day one Kobe walking into Ronin is very different from the Kobe I'm talking to right now. What was that first day like going in there, experiencing the drills and the practices that they run? And how was that a learning curve from day one to where you are now? Oh, man. So the first day I went, I actually just uh, I got scared and left. I just sat in the parking lot. I was, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to bed. And I came back the next day and walked right in. And um, it was a whole new world. I had to figure out how to <laughs> figure out what a shrimp was, you know, and then just uh, going from that to where we are today, where we're breaking down everything. Still uh, learning new ways to weaponize their shrimp. But when you go from training in all different aspects and different focuses, different sports, and then becoming a mixed martial artist and blending that all together. You really have to learn what works in jujitsu and what works in Thai and then finding out why that doesn't work in MMA or what aspects of those other things work in MMA. And it's just a constant learning curve. And once you figure things out, you're like, man, I should have figured that out months ago. I don't know why it took so long to figure that out. You kind of feel stupid at times, but once you figure it out and you can, make it work it's uh it's a nice little feeling every time it happens since you didn't have a background or at least a traditional background in wrestling before you got into mma what was the hardest challenge first getting into mma was it the wrestling was it the striking maybe the jiu-jitsu the tie what was it for you that was the biggest challenge at first grappling wasn't ever bad to be honest i i kind of had a natural uh, knack for grappling probably because I would, me and my cousins, we'd always wrestle because, you know, we grew up watching wrestling and it may have not been traditional, but uh, just the movements and understanding how they move and understanding how to move and not get hurt in certain positions. It's like, okay. Um, and I'm also like a uh, health and wellness major in college. So it's, and I took athletic training in high school and everything. So knowing the body mechanics, I think helped a lot with the grappling aspect. Over the past year and a half or so, since I haven't gotten to fight much because it's been hard to find a matchup, I've been really trying to brush up on my striking because in my title match, you know, I won a unanimous decision, but man, I got punched a lot. So I was like, all right, I got to figure out how to get, get in there and strike with these guys without getting punched in the face as much because um, I know the biggest question I'm always asked when somebody just finds out that you fight a call, do you just like getting hit? You're like, no, man, I hate getting punched. It's always about figuring out how to get in and do your damage without getting hit yourself. So shaking is definitely the hardest part for me so far to figure out. Yeah, I wanted to ask you one more question before we get into those fights. I heard a story that you had tapped out one of the best to ever do it in John Bones Jones. That sounds insane. So what <laughs> led it to that experience and what was it like? So my, uh, my sister, uh, my sister and her husband are in a, we're in Albuquerque. You know, they live there because they're both in the military and the Air Force. And uh, I just happened to go to uh, the Gracie that they all go to. And I'm like looking around on them. I was there for a couple of days, did a couple of days in Ogi. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of giant dudes in here today. And then I see the camera over there. I'm like, why is there a camera? And you just see, uh, you know, two years of balking John Jones walk in. And you're like, oh, dude, that's John Jones, you know? He's just showing people, you know, showing people spinning back elbow, stuff like that. Just kind of messing around with people. And then he just looks at me, and I'm sitting there like, oh, man, that's John Jones. He's like, yeah, man, you'll come grapple? I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, yeah, come on over here. So I was like, all right, cool. 
and then uh he ankle picked me real quick and threw me down but i shot up and then uh just scrambled with him and he just let me hit a let me hit a north south on him definitely let me hit the north south on him you know <laughs> his shoulders as big as my head so it's kind of cool fun time were you starstruck at all seeing him and then actually being able to do those things and grapple with him yeah man um like I said, he asked me, I was like, no, nah, dude, I'm good right. <laughs> when he first asked. But yeah, it was it was cool. You know, when I was younger, I I met Forrest Griffin. I met Cain uh, Velasquez. Like I, I, I kind of just happened to meet these guys at the Arnold Classic in Columbus when I was younger. And I, I knew of them. You know, I, I followed the sport. I'm in the, all sports as much as I can be. And then seeing John Jones, when you're not thinking that John Jones is going to show up, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, you made your amateur debut at Ohio Combat League 4 in 2019 against Jason Walls. You finished Walls at 123 of round number one. Talk me through that first finish and the first fight of your career and just the overall experience of competing for the first time. Um, So at that point, I think I've been training about four months. Um, I think that was like a November card. So I'll go in there. Um, I'm like, All right, cool. Uh, just made weight for the first time first time i've ever been 155 and probably since i was in fifth grade or something rehydrated got back in there warmed up um, had all the lights by kanye on came out and then uh, i'm just in the zone it feels a lot like uh, kick return in football that's the way i describe it to everybody I'm like that fight you're out there it's like okay cool this is me the only difference is i'm i have one guy that's my size across from me um, and not 11 dudes trying to take my head off. So I'm like, all right, it's a little bit, you know, I can have a little bit more tunnel vision on this. And as soon as we get in the cage, my one of my coaches looks at me and goes, hey, uh, just take him down. I'm like, all right. So I get out there. He throws two, Jay. He throws a one-two. I step back, and I just Goldberg spear this dude into the cage as hard as I can. Um, I get the takedown. He puts me in full guard. Here I am still not, you know, still real blue, you know, still uh, – still fresh, doesn't, don't really know how to uh, pass guard. So I just drive my head into his face as hard as I can, just pushing his head against that metal bar at the bottom of the cage. Can't figure out how to get, get out of the guard. So I'm like, all right, I'll just slam him. So I pick him up, and as soon as I pick him up, he kind of slips off as I drive down. My head just smashes right into his face. I'm like, uh, I look at the ref. He goes, keep going. I'm like, all right, cool. I just keep driving. Blood's everywhere. I start punching him, and then he just taps. I was like, huh, cool. I'll take it. Wow, that sounds like a savage ending to the first fight of your career and it took you a while to get back into the cage after that first fight in november 2019 i saw you had the two canceled bouts in 2020 and returned to 2021 i'm assuming that covid had something to do with that but did you feel like a, a caged animal almost throughout 2020 wanting to get back to work in the cage after that dominating win in your first fight yeah man gym was closed for a lot of it we're out there we were going to like parks and just training in parks. Like me and some of my teams would just go in parks and we'd just be like weirdos out there sparring in the park with our gear on. I remember we, at one point we made the terrible decision of wrestling in like a volleyball pit. So we got sand all on our face and stuff. And then that second fight I had that was canceled was after I made weight and everything. And the guy just left. So then I face, uh, what was that guy's name? I can't remember his name, but I came out. I don't even remember what I came out to, but I remember he came out to the Halo theme song. And I was like, oh, this MFR thinks it's a game, you know, and right then it was just on. Like, mentally, it was just on. And that weight cut was terrible. That second fight, I remember it was just, uh, I couldn't rehydrate. I think I changed something with 
I blamed on whatever water I was drinking. I think I switched to like distilled water. So I was really drained from sodium and everything. And I remember um, going into the cage, I couldn't open my hands because they were just cramped shut. And I was like, okay, well, I guess uh, that's not going to be an option. So I had to fight out of all these submissions. And then as the round was uh, like the last 30 seconds, I remember I got him off, got him cornered, started hitting him as hard as I could. And then uh, he was done. I was like, all right, cool. So that caged animal aspect, I guess, is a good way to describe it. Yeah, you mentioned weight cutting a couple times now. Is weight cutting always a challenge for you? And how do you overcome that obstacle, fight in and fight out? So in Ohio, uh, amateur fighting is day of weigh-ins. So we weigh in around noon. And then um, for those fights, I was like the first or second fight. So it was, I had less time than I do now because now I'm usually at the end of the card or at least mid card. Um, so I have an extra few hours to rehydrate and get that weight back on. Right. I, 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 it's much more fun to lift and do strength and conditioning when you have a reason to. So training for these fights and stuff, I'm still lifting heavy. I still like, I feel like it's a big advantage for me is uh, my strength. So I love lifting weights. I love getting into the, the weight room and uh, I go to D one Pickerington. They, they work me to death out there too. So I'm always not uh, the lightest guy, but I've over time I've learned how to really get that under wraps. Um, when it comes to fight week, I know how to water load properly. I get that. I know how to do the weight cut. I know how to rehydrate. That's the the real key is just rehydrating and replenishing your body afterwards. So hopefully this is my last amateur fight, and I can have that extra day to uh, get back to my fullest form after those weight cuts. Yeah, it's interesting. Two things there. You mentioned the day of weigh-ins. Do you prefer when you have to weigh in the day of to have that extra time and be later in the card? Or do you want to just, you know, be the first or second fight and get in there, get out of there and get it done with? So early it was, I just kind of ignored it the first few fights because I was like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm already here. The the weight's been made. Um, It is what it is. You know, I'm here to do a job. Let's get the job done. And then that title fight I had, I never, that was the first fight I've, because we had to go through a tournament to get the title fight. So when I had the title fight, it was my first one that was near the end of the card. It was like the the amateur main event. And I didn't really know how to control my energy at that point. And I had a few teammates on the card, so I'm out there cheering them on, cheering them on. And by the time it was time for me to go out the fight, I was drained. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Um, And this last fight I had for B2 um, was also in Ohio. I think it was out in Dayton. It was in Dayton. And I just understood, like, okay, I'm going to have to chill in the back. But luckily it was just me and uh, I think Melvin Harris on that card. And uh, he was after me. So I was like, okay, I don't have anybody to cheer on. So I kind of know how to do it. Like this upcoming fight, I'll be late on the card. And I have a few teammates before me. I'm like, they, they know I support them. They don't need me out there. So it's just a learning experience. Do you enjoy having teammates on the same card as you? Oh, dude, yeah, especially when they win. When we all, when we all get the dub afterwards, it's a fun time. You know, um, it kind of sucks if one of us loses and you're like, man, at least we can cheer this guy up. But it's always a it's always a good time afterwards. You know, it's it's refreshing for your spirits to know that all the time and effort that you put in, it's worth, you know, not just for you winning your your uh, competition, but everyone else, you know, your teammates that you've trained and bled and sweat and, you know, got gross with all the time every day. It's good to see them succeed as well almost more so than when you succeed. I know when I fight, um, I'm not nearly as nervous as I am when I'm cornering one of my teammates. 
Right. And you also mentioned turning pro. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast when I did is because of your fight upcoming on January 7th at Ohio Combat League. You mentioned turning pro after that fight. Is that the plan to go pro after this next fight? Yeah, it's my plan. I'm, I'm tired of doing it for free. Yeah. <laughs> tired of doing it for free. Tired of, uh, like I said, the weight cuts. I think there's a lot more sponsorship opportunities and things of that nature when I go pro, of course. I mean, it's up to the commission. They can they can do what they want and everything. I'm not going to say anything bad about them. They've always been pretty cool by me, commission. Um, you know, I just show up and do my job, do what I need to do, make weight, get the blood working. I just try to be as respectful as I can to them. But, yeah, the plan for me is to go pro after this because it's just uh, experience-wise at amateur level, I'm at the top. And I feel as if, you know, if I hang around amateur level again, I mean, I went from having four fights in 2021 to having one fight this past year because I just can't find a match. You know, it's hard to find somebody that uh, is willing to get knocked unconscious for free. You're the second ranked active Ohio amateur lightweight. Do you ever pay attention to that? And do you let yourself pay attention to that stat? Um, I used to. Um, You know, when I got to number one, I was like, okay, cool, I'm number one. And then I couldn't get a fight. And then um, I can't even be mad about being number two right now because I went from being number one to number two to being tied for number one to back to number two. And, I mean, it's it's Max. I mean, he's my teammate, you know, so I'm not going to be mad about that. As long as we're all winning, I don't care. Talking to Kobe Yellow Woodall on Forge in Ohio. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, you are a champion, Kobe. You won the vacant lightweight title for Ohio Combat League in September 2021 against Zach Stacy. Were there more nerves going into that fight knowing that a title was on the line? Zach Stacy was good, man. Um, I, I watched him knock out dudes who were in the 55 division unconscious, man. He knocked him out. He knocked out, uh, what was his name? Devin Rhodes with a 1-2, just caught him perfectly. I was like, okay, well, let's not get caught with that. And then uh, he proceeded to hit me with it a lot during that fight. Um, nerves uh, for the title fight. Um, like I said, I had those teammates earlier in that day, so I was a little drained. Um, and then there was an issue with music, and I, that's probably the hardest part going into the fights, finding out a good walkout song. So we didn't have music. So my energy was just low. And I, I don't think nerves was really an issue because I was just too concentrated on being on how tired I was going into the fight. But um, I said it's. I think it's just part of that Mamba mentality where you just got to You know, you're there for a job. Prepped yourself as best as you can going in. And I'm always confident that I've always put in the work going into a fight. I think a lot of people they have a lot of nervousness. Um, they doubt themselves for how the work they put in. Um, I just try to make sure to put in enough work to where that's not an issue. I don't have that doubt going into a fight. You said you were hit a lot in that fight, obviously. It was obviously the first fight in your career that went to a decision, and you were the winner of that decision. You got the belt for OCL. Would it be fair to say, though, that you learned the most in that fight than in any other fight of your career? Um, I think every fight has their own learning experience. For that one, the aspect of pre-fight energy management, learning that there's more to striking this being first and hitting hard. I think a lot of the other fights, like I fought, uh, wasn't it Greg Weinger? That dude, that dude hit me. He was my third fight. He hit me so hard in the first round that I got a black eye from him hitting me, I think a week after the fight. Like the bruising didn't really show up until a week after the fight. And he was just big and long, man. And then I went against, when I went against Zach Stacy, 
he he fights at 45 typically you know most of his fights are at 45 and he was the only guy I couldn't take down he was a lighter opponent he just had a good game plan um I said every fight has its own learning experiences you're mentioning these powerful shots that you've taken in your career. Is there anything you've done or can do to maybe, you know, strengthen your chin or get comfortable when taking shots to the head? Or is that kind of like a myth in the fight game? I mean, I think I think a lot of strength and conditioning is part of it. I think you need to you need to lift and take care of your body as much as you can. Try to live a good a good uh, lifestyle. You know, everybody likes to go out here and there, but you can't. It has to be a here and there thing. It has to be occasions. It can't be. You can't live that lifestyle. If you're going to live the fight life and you want to be successful in this in this sport, I think you have to put that as a priority. You have to take care of your body. You have to put in the time in the gym outside of the MMA gym. When I get enough, because I've played football for a long time, so you know a couple of those headshots have already been taken. I'm kind of, I know for the longest I take hits to the helmet in football back when it was legal to go earhole somebody or crack back somebody, and you're like, wow, that hurts, you know. And it was just kind of an uh, accepted impact. And so there's more emphasis on just not, if you can go without taking those shots, go without taking those shots now. You know, we only hard spar once a week. You know, there's no reason to hard spar to the head more than once a week, I feel. I think that's been a, a common thing. If you want to be, um, no one's, I guess people do fight because they love fighting. I mean, I, I love it. You know, it's, it's a good sport and it's fun. But at the end of the day, you want it to be a business. You know, you don't want to take years off your life to not make any money. And the longer you can uh, preserve that career and keep it going, the better. And I think it's just a lifestyle that you have to commit to to make sure that your your head stays on your shoulders and your chin stays strong. I've talked to other amateur champions in the sport, and surprisingly to me at least, they didn't put much stock into the belt. I understand both sides, but at the same time, I feel like there is a ton of meaning behind these amateur belts. What do you think and how do you consider your lightweight belt for OCL? Oh, I think I'm the I'm the best fighter in Ohio. I mean, that's you have that belt. I mean, I think you should always have that goal. You know, if there's a, if there's a belt to go after and there's a stake to be made to claim you gotta be like, hey, and I don't. I mean, the the big reason I say that's because I had to go through a tournament to get that belt. It wasn't like a, a thing that was gifted to me. I feel like um, some people have opportunities handed to them, um, and I don't think that's ever been an option for me. I feel like I had to take them. But anytime there's a belt, I think that should always be the goal to get it. Um, amateur titles are strange because there is no, there's nothing to really get me. There's nothing for me to really gain from it other than the title and the the title of being called champion. Um, there's no pay. You know, we go to other. You go to, as a professional when you're a when you're the champion of a promotion. There's a little bit more pay increase, I believe. I mean, I know that's how it is for the UFC and big promotions. I don't really know about the local scene because I'm not there yet. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's it's a career choice. So if you're going to do it, I think to be the best, you should then get paid accordingly especially at the professional ranks. But at the amateur level, it's just uh, there's a lot of pride to it. There's a lot of ego to it. But at the end of the day, you know, that's not the final goal you need to hit. It's not amateur champion. 
you mentioned the tournament style that you had to go through to get that championship. And I know some of the major promotions still do things like that in terms of Bellator and PFL, not so much in the UFC nowadays. But is that something that would appeal to you if you go pro and make it big time to maybe join a Bellator and PFL and do that tournament style? Or is it kind of UFC or nothing for you? Oh, dude, yeah, I I kind of like the tournament style, to be honest. I mean, you know who you're fighting. You know there's, um, you know who to prepare for. It's not just a random contract. When it comes to, I mean, I think everybody wants to be the UFC champion. I think that's the, the one true way you can say publicly that you're the best in the world. But if uh, one championship, Bellator, PFL comes knocking and said, hey, here's the number you get when you uh, compete and win and it's more than a 12 and 12 on, on anything, you know, it's, um, like I said, at the end of the day, it's a career choice. So, um, you have to have that mix of exposure and, uh, managing your career and, uh, not exactly managing your character, but just, uh, knowing who you are. You have to have a balance between that. And, uh, it's a career choice and you have to think of your future family when you make those decisions. Once again, this is Kobe Yellow Mamba Woodall with us on Forge in Ohio. You're now 6-0 in the Amateur Lightweight Champion at Ohio Combat League. Uh, the, the, another reason I wanted to have you on the show, like I mentioned, was because of your seventh fight going down on January 7th at Ohio Combat League 23 against Jaden Maddox. Where, there was a lot of talk after your fight for B2 about potentially fighting for a belt for them, but instead you're defending your OCL championship is there a future where you fight for a B2 title? And talk to me about the decision to defend your title rather than going for another one. Once again, it's just hard to find matchups. And it was uh, really just juggling between who could get me a matchup. Um, I hit up B2, and uh, they, to be honest with you, when I hit them up the last time, they were like, oh, yeah, well, well, I'll get back to you at the end of the week. And I never heard anything. And then, um, you know, being in Columbus, OCL is always in Columbus, so that's always going to be my home local promotion at least i feel like i mean i'd I'd be great to find another amateur title but after this one because i want to go pro Mm -hmm. so if i fight for b2 as a pro or fight for ocl or whoever like i'll I'll fight for whoever as a pro it doesn't bother me if they want to put a title if they want to give me an opportunity at the title i'll take it and i'll take the title yeah that makes sense your opponent Jaden maddox a wrestler out of grove city who's three and one with back-to-back wins for ohio combat league have you done much studying of your opponent? And if so, what do you think about the challenge ahead of you? So, yeah, like I said, uh, me and my team, we we uh, treat it pretty seriously. Like, I think that, that should be the way you treat this sport. So we've done plenty of homework. You know, we've looked a lot of um, into tendencies, looked, a lot of, looked at a lot of things. I don't want to put too much out there, but we know he's a wrestler. Um, and we have our way of dealing with it. And... Um, you know, we know how to work to my strengths, and that's the way we want to go about it. Looking at this fight, I'm not necessarily asking for a prediction, but how do you see things going? Well, we know he wants to wrestle. Um, that's that's his ace in the hole. You know, he's a Ohio State wrestler. You know, he wrestled Ohio State, two-time state champion in high school. Dude's got a nasty uh, takedown game. You know, a real powerful guy. I've only been taken down once in my six fights. Um, I'd like to say that I'm a hard guy to take down. I think that's the challenge we got to look forward to. You know, we got to see how that works. Um, I have a lot of things that I haven't been able to show. Like I said, I've only had one fight this year. And since that Stacy fight, there's a lot of uh, skill development and uh, training that I've put in that I haven't been able to showcase. I think I have a, a vast arsenal of ways to finish this fight. If 
I'm prepared to go all three rounds, conditioning-wise. Um, but like I said, man, I'm always looking for that finish. That's where the fun is, you know. And, uh, you know, we've talked about judging. I'm just not a big fan of leaving it up for other people to decide my destiny. So I'd like to finish it if I can. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned your ability to defend the takedown. And I've noticed in watching some of your fights that you're also a great takedown artist as well. So do you, when going into this fight, do you feel pretty confident that you might even be able to out-wrestle the wrestler? Oh, out-wrestle him? No. That dude can wrestle his ass off, man. I'm not going to out-wrestle him. But That's if, fair. Uh, you know, if, if those legs are there for the takedown. Um, that last fight, I carried a guy across the cage, Kamzat style, just for giggles. So, <laughs> um, oh, I mean, to take him to my corner as well, it was strategic, you know, but... Um, Stood there for know, a couple extra seconds and slammed him down, yeah? I had to make sure he let go of the guillotine. I wasn't going to DDT myself. Right. <laughs> but um, if the opportunity is there, I'll take it. I feel like that's a big part of the game is just... Uh, taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you and staying in there until they're there and uh, force what you have to, but don't force everything. Obviously you'll have to be aware of defending the takedowns against him, but you also mentioned how you're working a lot on your striking. So are you excited to get in there and showcase your striking against a guy who's going to try and wrestle you? Yeah, man. Um, You know, he's a specialist, you know, and I, I feel like I think it's a big part of me maybe not necessarily being the most versed when it comes to true martial arts, but uh, growing up playing football and stuff, that's a combat sport in its own. Everything else, um, I may not be the most gifted athlete in the world, but uh, I've, I've worked my ass off to get the skills that I have. And uh, I'd like to show that I'm a, I'm, I may not be the best wrestler, I may not be the best striker, but damn it, I'm going to be the best fighter. A lot of fighters I've talked to haven't necessarily booked fights during the holidays for a reason. I know this fight goes down on January 7th, but it can't be easy cutting weight during the holiday season, can it? Uh, I mean, the temptation there for cookies and shit's all yeah. good. You know, like uh, cake and cookies and uh, that's all That's all fine and dandy, man. But to be honest, at, at this point, I, just, I feel good eating uh, the most healthful way that I can. Um, the temptation's always there. It's just... Uh, just remembering the goal. It's all about the mentality and staying focused as much as you can. Last question, Kobe. Having not tasted defeat, do you feel like you are you know, completely unstoppable right now at the top of the mountain? Do you feel like that, that beast out there in the cage? Being in the cage, it is a different different world. You get out there, it's, it's you versus another guy. And then training with the guys, I trained with some pretty tough dudes, man, you know? Um not having any wrestling background and then going with Max and uh, Max Metzger and Mark Antonelli, man, those dudes wrestle their ass off. And I have to defend against those guys all day, you know, getting getting dumped by Max because he's a big Greco guy, getting thrown by that dude or getting tangled in that web that Mark weaves. You know, I, I know I'm human, but when I walk into that cage, you definitely have to put on an armor and, uh, you know, have faith in yourself and have faith in God that, uh, the best outcomes there you know i feel like um i've been gifted the ability to i guess i feel like i've been gifted this ability to just uh, impose my will when i really want to and that's a gift from from god himself um i was really blessed to have the parents that i did that raised me the type of way they did believing in yourself i think that's the biggest thing and once you get in there after that one after the training camp two after the weight cut and then when you're in there, it's just time to go. No matter what happens, you got to finish the job. 
Yeah, I feel like there's a balance in the fight game, and it sounds like you have it between being confident and having an ego versus actually being humble and knowing that there is room to grow. Like I said, it sounds like you have that. And uh, thank you again, Kobe, for coming on Forge in Ohio. I truly appreciate it. Before I let you go, I end interviews on Forge in Ohio by connecting the fighter to the state of Ohio with a chant that goes like this, OH. IO. Thanks, Kobe. Have a happy holidays. Hopefully you can enjoy it even with a fight on the horizon, and I wish you the best come January 7th for Ohio Combat League. Thanks, man. Follow me on uh, Instagram at yellowmamba underscore Kobe. Um, I got t-shirts on there at uh, mmatco.com. Um, come out and see me on January 7th. Uh, you know, defend this title and do what I do. There you go. Definitely check him out on social media, and good luck on January 7th again. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to where this fight game takes you in your career. Thank you for having me, man. That was Kobe Yellow Mamba Woodall. Man, I know I stressed it at the beginning of the podcast, but I feel like I didn't do it enough. The Yellow Mamba brand of Kobe Woodall is fantastic, and so is the fighting style of this young amateur mixed martial arts champion. Good luck to him in his title defense on the 7th, and that'll do it for episode 9 of Forged in Ohio. Whatever you celebrate, have a happy holidays, everyone, and don't forget to support the podcast by downloading, sharing, and, of course, subscribing until next week's interview for episode 10 i've been your host jake Marin, and this was forged in ohio